The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're working really hard to make sure you get the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And this is... This is a pre-recorded by necessity show because it, as you are listening to this, both myself and my guest are out of the country and we just couldn't figure out the mechanics of doing a live radio show with us on actually two different continents and the show on a third continent. <laughs> but I did want to make sure that um, you guys got this information because it's about everybody's favorite topic, rehabbing. More specifically, trying to figure out what the heck it's going to cost to do a rehab before you start writing checks to contractors. Uh, my guest today is Matt Hedstrom, who is spent 25 years actually in the general contracting world before uh, becoming a full-time real estate investor 12 years ago. So he has a unique dual perspective on this whole question of what do rehabs cost, what should rehabs cost, and how the heck do we figure it out in advance. Joining us today from his home in Wisconsin, Matt, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Thank you so much. It is a privilege to be here and my favorite topic. So I know it brings a lot of pain points to some, but Man, I, I love it. So we could do this all day if you want. Well, I think you guys who do particularly re- big rehabs deserve medals. Like mm-hmm. it is it is not in my particular skill set to have the kind of detail orientation that you have to have to actually oversee, plan out, walk through and do punch lists on um, particularly large rehabs. And yet, although I don't do big rehabs, I find myself estimating rehabs almost literally every day of the week. <laughs> That's the thing. You cannot avoid this topic. Yeah. So that really is true. And part of the reason I'm estimating rehabs is I do, I do wholesale properties and um, gosh, your buyers really appreciate it when you give them an accurate estimate of what it might cost them before they waste their time going to see a deal. That's not a good deal because yep. you said it was a $20,000 project and it's really an $80,000 project. Also, of course, I buy rentals, and if you're in the rental business, you're kind of in the rehab business all the time. Always. And then if you have a property manager, you know, are you going to trust their numbers without bringing a realistic perspective? How do you challenge it? And I find it's and I find it's good every every couple of years, even if you have a property manager who's taking care of things, their numbers are right. Check it again. 
every yeah. two or three years because um, sometimes they lose their good reasonable roofer and only have a very expensive roofer and you're missing it because yeah. you, you're not rechecking and actually looking at those reports they send you every month. You know what? That is a great, great point too because I just happened to look at this uh, the other day and I knew for a fact that I had just paid for a new roof last year on this property. When I saw a line item from there, I knew they had hired a new vendor and it said roofing repair and it was a $1,900 bill. And I, I said, wait, wait, wait a second. This is a $1,900 bill for roofing. Like what, what, let's go back to the other contractor. And they came back and said, oh my gosh, we just found out that was double billed. So you have to be involved in your business at some level, right? No matter who's teaching you not to be. And, and, and just looking at things and paying attention because boy, that's a, that's a really good way to lose money, to have your, the expenses on your rentals get out of control. Um, The other weird place that I find that it's, it's really useful and gives me a little bit of a leg up is, you know, sometimes I make private loans to people Mm -hmm. and I can somewhat tell at a glance if the rehab plan they are sending me is, is both accurate and they are not likely to run out of money because they underestimated the costs. And I think uh, yeah, a lot of private lenders either don't bother. They're just like, ah, oh, he's a rehabber. He'll know. Or they try to look at it, but they have no idea what they're looking at. And that's not owning their own business on that side of things. And even though we create a lot of private money on our sides, they trust you when you're asking for something. And so, but they should have something to use to point to, to at least look at, to make sure that, and especially if we're pulling newbies out of cubicles, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, now you're a general contractor moonlighting on the side? Wait <laughs> a second. How do I trust that you can do this if it's that big of a job? Especially, yeah, you get into that $80,000 flip and, and all of a sudden they put a, a GC hat on and go, oh, yeah, I can do this. No problem. Mm-hmm. I don't need to replace that roof. It's only 18 years old and it's not leaking. Right. Um, there's some uh, guidance that you can give to borrowers and there's also some things you can look at and say, wait a minute. If you borrow the amount of money you're saying that you want to borrow, you're going to run out of money. And then I'm going to end up either putting more money in or taking the the deal back. And actually, your deal just doesn't make sense because you were wrong. (laughs) You're just wrong about your rehab costs here. So, yeah, I mean, it's a Jerry Fink, who's been a frequent guest, often will say, if you're in the real estate business, you're in the rehab business, like it or not. That is so true. And I love it because you've already covered all of these different angles and people who absolutely should know. Think about the value you add as a wholesaler when you can go to an investor and say, well, this is how much it's going to cost you to flip this property and say it with confidence, right? Think of the credibility you have out in the marketplace with other investors because they trust your numbers versus just throwing 25 grand on every single one or 5,000. Oh, there's a tree sticking out of the roof, but you know, hey, <laughs> no, it's $5,000 in repairs. That credibility is lost, right? And I love that you've even mentioned private lending because this goes, of course, it's flippers. Of course, it's, you know, the, the rental side, yes, you should know your numbers. We, we can talk about that later about how the, there is a difference there for me, for sure. But when you're talking about wholesalers all the way to private money, absolutely. The more you know and the more you're able to present and the more knowledge you have and bring to the table and be able to download that yourself makes you a much more professional person in this space because we want to be professional house buyers, but it adds to that depth, those credibility pieces we keep saying. And it keeps you from funding deals that couldn't possibly work and not even, yep. not even know. Because if trust me, if it doesn't work for the rehabber, it is not going to end up working for the private lender either. 
long discussion there about how, how important this all is. And so what I'd, what I'd like to do now is take a quick break and then come back and talk about how one gets a grip on this, because I, I know that it's a real struggle amongst particularly new investors and particularly new investors who have don't have a background in the building trades the way you do to even even start to come up with answers on this that allow them to make a smart offer, much less actually do a rehab. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about rehabs and rehab estimating. We will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Matt Hedstrom, who is a longtime general contractor plus also real estate entrepreneur and uh, so has, has has a pretty good grip in his own business about how to uh, make make rehab estimates that are at least correct enough that you don't make giant mistakes in your offers and then maybe in your uh, rehabs as well. And um, Matt, this is one of those areas where people want an easy button. Mm-hmm. They 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 say things like, well, I just am going to get a contractor to come tell me what is wrong with this house before I decide what to offer on it. And that's actually that's actually the better of the two things that I hear that people uh, right. say in terms of I don't really need to learn this. What's the problem with, OK, fine, I'm just going to have my contractor walk every house with me before I write an offer on it? Direct answer to that is good luck. If you're in the space, even at, at all on any level these days, even if you want to even have something done at your own home, you know that even after you sign something and say, I'll give you money, or even you, if you've given them money, getting them to show up is hard. So if you have somebody that, let's just say you get one out of 20 deals, how quick is your contractor going to tire of you hauling them around or sending them photos and videos and them contributing their time and then telling you that, hey, well, you know, this isn't, this is just kind of an estimate. I'm just giving you a ballpark. You know, um, it's, it's just not feasible. You know, it, it just doesn't work. You're not going to drag somebody around. They're not going to give you numbers on everything. That may have worked in the past. There was a, there was a time, but right now, currently in this market, I don't think it's a good idea ever because I think you should know your business enough and run your business well enough that you know these things instead of depending on others to make your business work. Okay. Uh-huh. And you know, as well as I do as a wholesaler, then. I always ask the question sitting at that kitchen table, hey, this is no big deal. I probably know everybody. I've probably coached most of them in this area. So how many others have uh, come in here? How many other people have walked this property with you? When you give that answer, you know, when you're leaving of, you know, hey, let me go work the numbers and I'll get back to you. That's not how it works these days. Mm -hmm. You need to be confident enough and have enough done on the front end and know enough in the middle to give them a number right there at the kitchen table in most cases. But you can't wait on a contractor. You can't run your business that way. I've noticed that, first of all, you're not going to get a true general contractor who can see the whole scope of work to walk a property with you at all. They don't even do that when they are bidding a job. They send out estimators. And then you have to say, I want this, 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 and this done. It's not like they just go, all right, here's what it needs. And a lot of the, quote, contractors who can, quote, do everything actually can't 
<laughs> don't have the yeah. first idea that, yeah, this needs a new kitchen. And gosh, this house is 75 years old. And when I pull out these cabinets, there's a really good chance the drains are going to be rotten and I, the drain lines are going to be rotten. And I should probably go ahead and estimate for that too. Like you don't, you don't necessarily get a good number from anybody who's likely to have the time to come with you. And as you said, they get really tired of that really fast when you put in your first eight offers and they're rejected because that's how this business works. You have to make a lot of offers. So contractors quote walking it with me or probably is probably not the right answer. I'm sure you have seen this. There's a lot of advice going on in the various social media platforms that goes, don't even worry about it because a Light rehab costs $25 a square foot, a medium rehab costs $45 a square foot, and a heavy rehab costs $65 a square foot. And just do that math. I mean, you don't even have to go see the property. You just ask the owner how much work it needs, go to the public record, find out the square footage, and make that multiplication, and you are good to go to make an offer. What do you think of that? <laughs> Let me throw my general contracting hard hat on first. And I guess my first challenge to that would be no contractor out there bids your property that way when you finally get them in there. So why would you be using flawed calculations in order to get your original number, in order for you to, in what I call a takedown number, uh, in order to get that contract? So if nobody's doing this to actually bid the job anyway, why are you doing it? Um, we can go into things that everybody already knows. Hey, every house is different. We, you know, we, I guess we could play that game. I don't know. I, when, when, as soon as you said that, it's like I, I start thinking through myself, like, where, where, where can we apply this elsewhere? Like, if I just base that on, like, my car getting repaired, can, is there a general formula I can use for all my whatever's wrong with my car? Maybe two doors, it's a... Two doors cost $1,000. It, it maybe could be an oil change, but I might as well bid, you know, oh, a head gasket and a transmission. You know, <laughs> that is not the truth. It's, it's, it's actually insulting. Let me ask this question too, I guess. Basing on that, you're going to you're going to judge every house the same. Does every house need to get the exact same rehab? What what, what is a medium rehab? What is a heavy rehab? What is like I don't even know how to walk through a house and say, "Oh, this is just a medium one, so $45 a square foot." Yep. It can be really deceiving too. I mean, I've been in a house recently where the cosmetics were a wreck. I mean, just like you didn't even want to touch the walls kind of a wreck. But the furnace had been replaced about four years earlier. The wiring had been completely redone top to bottom. It had a two-year-old roof on it. So as ugly as it was, it might somebody might go in and go, oh, this is a heavy rehab. Right, <laughs> right. Two new baths, all the flooring, all the paint. But really the expensive stuff had been dealt with and it was it was a light rehab as we see rehabs these days. I mean, here in my market, a property that doesn't need at least $60,000 worth of work, we get tickled <laughs> to see a right. property that doesn't need at least $60,000 worth of work. Yeah. Let me give you, let me give you one, uh, two on the other side of that. When somebody just comes in and says, oh, it, it just needs paint and carpet. Okay. But um, I was in a house, it was probably a year ago, where the the guy had told me that uh, it, it was his mom and she had passed away. and, and uh, But he, he didn't let her smoke except just in the kitchen. So there was no smoke smell in the house except the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. But I did see that she was told to smoke in the kitchen because the tar was so thick that it was actually running down the walls. Mm -hmm. Like 
it was uh, the, the worst I've ever seen. And so paint on that house is going to cost you at least double, if not triple, in, in order to prep that right and actually coat it right. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's the other side of that. Well, and so there's just a lot of there's a lot of nuance to just the idea of is it a, a heavy, medium or light rehab? And the nuance is what does it actually need? And uh, that that does, by the way, of course, vary depending on where you live. When I see what people pay for roofs in Florida, and it doesn't it used to be just on the coasts, but now that the hurricanes have started coming way inland, uh, they have a whole different, like they, they put on different roofs than we put on. And there's also a thing in a lot of Florida where you cannot do work for a house unless you have a fairly, on a house unless you have a fairly expensive contractor's license. So the contract, the labor's more, the materials are more, the way you put on the roof is more. And to say that, oh yeah, everywhere in the country, including places where you can only use union labor and including places where there's, there's not hurricanes or tornadoes, it's always, it's always going to be the same. So, it's, you know, people say real estate is local. This is one of the ways in which it can be local, because I promise you that to rehab the same house is going to cost me a different price than it would cost somebody who had that house in San Francisco. And and there are those those spots. Now, you know, I can, um, you know, I've, I've been licensed in multiple states. I did a lot of the work uh, after Katrina, um, and I've also built all around the world. And so, there are these places, and it's not fair to assign, uh, you know, especially like these, these, this, you know, getting into nuance with with things of on the coast, or if you need like a certain rating on a hurricane-proof window, or that's just not normal, or the the you know, unless you live there and you know, you are going to have very specific, uh, and, and you're going to know that specific pricing. But as generalities, even like um, we don't have any termite tenting. And if I say that up here, nobody knows what I'm talking about. What's a termite tent? What are you talking about? You know, well, th- that's if if we get into like Texas and we do these 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 uh, block and pier, these uh, jack where they they put jacks under underground and they and they have to pour concrete in there just because the floor the slabs are so unlevel. That is a that is a that'll kill you on any rehab if you miss that. So you you have to know. But again, so certain parts of the country, you're adding certain elements that you wouldn't in others like up. Up in the Midwest, uh, which a lot of the country doesn't experience, they're built on slab because they have to be. We have basements. Basements are the biggest, uh, I, I guess I, w- I would say, risk if you don't look at it and see that if your walls need beams and you need to actually put drain tile in, uh, if you have to get into excavation outside of that because of the clay and the hydrostatic pressure, it, it can eat you alive and, and make you pay for that for multiple houses or put you out of business one and done. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the cheapest I've ever seen a, a foundation problem uh, cost is about $20,000. Like that, it starts there and yeah. goes up from there. So yeah, it's not, it, it's not a thing where you can just tell on the phone exactly what a property needs or what it's going to cost. Somebody's got to lay eyes on it. And then, yeah. and then the, I mean, you, you, you keep talking about the, the, the takedown number, which uh, actually, I want to I want to come back to that because it sounds like you're actually maybe doing two rehab estimates on each property that you do, and uh, we do need to take a quick break before we dive into that. So, listeners, sit tight. This is a pre-recorded show, so that's why I'm not giving out the phone numbers and email addresses for you to ask questions. But we're going to tell you a lot about what you need to be thinking about in rehab estimation, and we'll be back right after this. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today with Matt Hedstrom, who is a rehabber himself, also general contractor who had a lot of years experience in rehabbing for other people before he, uh, I don't know, came over to the to the light side of the force here and uh, started investing in real estate himself. And we're talking about just getting your brain around rehab estimates because they are so important and all the stuff that you've heard about, oh, no, no, it's just X dollars per square foot or it's just X dollars for a big rehab and Y dollars for a little rehab uh, are not true. Now, Matt, it, it, it sounds like, so you're, you're sitting at the kitchen table with a seller. You have not yet signed a contract to actually buy that property. And yet you already have from your walkthrough a number in your brain that you're plugging into a formula that tells you what can I offer. So that first estimate, like how, how down and dirty is it? How close does it end up being to what you actually end up spending on the rehab if you buy the property? Now, I have the ability to do this, to walk through any rehab in any part of the country and get a number in my head, you know, but that took 25 years. Okay. Um, you know, most are not going to do that. So that's my superpower. Right. And so I 100% believe in whether it's systems that you have set up, you know, a process you go through that, whether that's something you're carrying with you or software that you're using in order to do that, to get that takedown. I, I would never recommend somebody to take a number out of their head, put it down, use that for their takedown and then just go figure it out. Right. <laughs> so you have to have some kind of calculable way while you're there, not leaving to go back to the office and work, you know, work the numbers and get back to them, right? Because they've already got a contract signed. Mm -hmm. So you have to get to that and you have to get to that in a way that is trustworthy with all your partners. So I guess to differentiate between, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll give you the answer you want in this, but it is the right, it, it's the right answer. And it's, I, I think it's, I'll, I'll just say it a different way and it, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll accept this, but, um, yes, I have a number and yes, I know what it's going to take because this is the number I have to have in order for this deal to work according to the way that I know in my head and I know on paper and I know in my software that if I have this much in purchase and I have this much in repairs and I have this much in holding costs and I have this much time that I'm going to write, like that's how I make my profit. In my profit, I'm the only, if I deviate on any of those numbers, well, then my profit number changes. Okay. So I can't go back and have a number turn out to be higher on any level than than uh, than I originally estimated. So my number that I use in the beginning, I, I need that to be the number in the end. Mm -hmm. Now, the only thing I can do in between there is what I just say, you know, value engineer that project in a way where I tighten up my scope or change my scope, mm -hmm. okay? But I'm not missing the elements that I just walked through and saw and checked off the boxes to say, this is what needs to be done to this house because I've seen it with my eyes and I, and I understand the area and I understand this, what, what needs to be done to get this to the finish line. And here's the number that I need to get it done for. Now we're negotiators, right? That's what we do for a living. And we tend to negotiate everything in our lives because we're good at it and it's, it's, it becomes a game, right? So you're doing the same things with your contractors after that, at that point. So if I have a number that I, I, I got a contract with, but then there's this, uh, uh, you know, after it's accepted and then I have to go back now, you know, I have that first thought, hey, I can I can engineer the scope of work differently, but I can also negotiate with my contractors to, to get it in a way that I say, well, no, this is what I need it to be because this is the number that works because this is how I get my profit. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so I can't deviate from that in a in a major way that 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 says that this will this can radically change from this to this mm-hmm. because all we're doing is manipulating ourselves, right? <laughs> because we tell ourselves at that kitchen table that oh, you know what? And I mean, trust me, ask me how I know. And so many people that start, well, maybe I could just tile the bathroom myself, and maybe I could you know do the landscaping. And no, 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 no. Who's, who are you kidding in this? What if, right? what if I painted the cabinets instead of replacing them like they need to be? Right, exactly. So you're basically just manipulating yourself by saying, well, I know I can get a contract at this price, so I'll just make it work on the back end, mm-hmm. which means a lot of pain and a loss of money, right, mm-hmm. on the back end. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't want, I don't want newer investors to take what you just said, which is it took 25 years of experience for me to be able to do right. that as like, oh, well, I guess I'm just sunk. I guess I need to hire Matt <laughs> to come walk no. properties with me. You can't afford that. Trust me. Um, I've been, I've been doing this for a very long time, measured in several decades, more than two. And I still carry with me a sheet that, that, that has all the major systems on it because if I don't, I literally might forget to look at the windows because uh, they're, they're all, you know, covered with fancy curtains and I, and I just forget to pull them back and, Take a yep. look at them. Um, my my partner, and it's been more recently than he would care to admit, missed a half bath in a house because he just didn't open all the doors. You know, he assumed it would. Mm. There was a there was a closet uh, there, and it was in fact a half bath. So part of this like pre offer process is just having something to remind you to look at everything. Yep. And, and trust me, that is, and when I say that I can go through a house and, and get a number, great. But I don't do that because I still carry a list myself mm-hmm. because I'll tell you what, you're exactly right. I can't tell you how many times in the retail world, if you're doing a massive scope of work and you, you entirely forget the trim package, okay, <laughs> just because you're so focused and that could be your entire profit base. Mm-hmm. So you're right. So absolutely, I don't care who you are and how many years experience, but I still want you to be able, I want to be able, this is my goal. I want to have enough of a solid system put together that I can send my bookkeeper out to go get a contract after looking at the house and knowing what that estimate for repairs is because they can't pull it out of their head that way. They have to use something I've supplied them with. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't always pull it out of my head because uh, especially in the last five years, costs of, of particularly materials and also labor have, have changed very rapidly and not in some way that I can just go, it's always going to be 20% more. It, 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 right. it, some, things, right. some things for a while there, you couldn't get them. And if you yep. did, it cost you a lot more. And some some things have, have only gone up a little, and some things have gone up a lot. So um, I have this whole repair cost cheat sheet thing that I make sure I update at least once a year. And I can't keep all that stuff in my head. There's like 40 different things that can go wrong with a house. And I, I can't just always be, oh, the roof's cost $3,000, which is what they did in right. fact cost when I... That's right. <laughs> when I, that's right. Now it's, yeah, now it's 50. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not, it, it's, it's truly not magic, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's truly having a good system for when I walk through the property, I know I'm looking at everything. I know what's important. I know what to look for. I know what to look at. And that's just, you know, partly training and partly practice. And then I know how to associate those things with 
actual costs that are not, right. Home Depot charges this much for a furnace. Yep. Right. And that's a good that's a good point because um, let's just use that for for right now for the mechanicals. You have to have enough. You have to have your finger enough on the pulse of, of knowing, like you said you did it once a year, but if you're actually getting estimates back or you're actually paying for the work, you'll notice that HVAC has increased dramatically. And um, not not so much that it's it's just it's 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 unbelievable. It's not ten times, but there's things that you maybe don't know, like they just changed the refrigerant uh, again, the qualifications of you know EPA. Yeah. So guess what? This summer, everybody's AC is going to cost more if you have a new unit installed. But you're going to see that when you start getting billed. Now, you don't need to know about the refrigerant and all the laws that got passed or anything like that. You just need to know something happened, so I need to adjust my numbers. You don't need to adjust them every day. When people were challenging me all the time about, oh, my gosh, how do you do this? Studs are $15 a piece now. And I would ask everyone all the time, how many studs do you use on a flip, okay? Like, honest to God, let's take your last 20 and say, how many studs? Like, if you have to frame a soffit in or reframe part of a bathroom, great. That You're not building a house. You're not gutting it to studs in most cases, okay? And you still have all the framing up at that point. So does it really matter to you that you have to keep that much of a close eye on things? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so it sounds to, to me like you're... Your estimating process, yours personally, is walk the property, come up with your evaluation, sit down with a seller, make an offer based on that evaluation, and then close? Like, is there, do you ever do intervening inspections, anything like that, that you might go back with the seller and say, eh, yeah, so turns out I don't have x-ray vision and your sewer line's bad? Nope. I'm, I, I need to, in, in this, especially in this market right now, um, you need to be, you need to do this well enough and be confident enough to know that. And of course, nobody's going to know. Let's say you have a lateral that needs to be replaced. That can never be seen unless you're digging something up or something goes terribly wrong or something. Maybe they didn't disclose it. But so for the most part, and uh, we are not going back. It is something that we say, nope, I've seen it. That's what I came to do. And I'm going to give you, there's nothing that I can do in the office that I can't do right here. Mm-hmm. So that must mean that in addition to actually writing the stuff down that you see and estimating for it, you're putting in some kind of fudge factor because there is no such thing as a property where right. you can literally see every problem that's going to crop up. Yep, that's a great point because um, now I'll tell people differently as far as their experience level, and you should get to know this. By we all we all talk about metrics and, and all this, but okay, let's let's do this for as you go along and flip every single house you do, whether it's a rental, a wholesale. What if you went back, Vina, to your the investor that bought this, and you say, "Hey, where did you land with those numbers? Would you sit? Let me buy you lunch, and uh, this is what I came up with. Show me your actual cost, and I'll buy your whole team pizza, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're, all you're doing is making yourself better, and you're getting more trust because you're starting to learn. Okay, I needed to switch this and this and this. Now, as you get closer to that, and you're really understanding exactly what your numbers are, then." You can develop, you know, yes, that number, that CYA number, whatever you want to call it, where you go, is it 5%, 10%, 20%? Well, it should be on the higher end. But I also use that number to catch all my miscellaneous items on things when I go through a house. And guess what? I am not going to count all the HVAC grills. I'm not going to count, you know, the the cabinet hardware that needs to be replaced. Light switch covers, outlet covers. I'm going to put that in that bucket. 
in that in that miscellaneous. Uh-huh. Okay, just because I need it to catch all of that, so that I I, I don't have that issue uh, of, of spending two hours, you know, walking a house and counting things. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. Good advice for you newish folks. Never forget to add a fudge factor. We'll talk more about that and how to get a grip on repair estimating when we come back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Man, this show has gone fast. We just have about 12 minutes left in the program uh, to talk more to Matt Hedstrom about uh, just just the whole idea of getting these numbers right, because if you don't have the numbers right, you can't even make the right offer. And whatever offer you do make, you're likely to find uh, when the rehab actually starts that uh, the deal wasn't profitable, even if you did get it below market. And at that point, it is too late. <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to go forward with whatever it is that you did. So... Um, Matt, let's talk about the difference between the re- the rehab estimate I might do if the intention of the property was to be a resale to a homeowner versus the the estimation I might do if it were meant to be a long term rental. Okay, um, so I'll I'll uh, I'll do this quick in a way that say, look, you, I guess we can't box all of this into one answer because if we talk about the difference of class A or you know class D, you know, what you do, but bottom line is this. Um, I don't even have the same contractors that work on it. I, I compare it this way. If I'm putting them in a $50,000 house versus a $500,000 house, that's not the same contractor. That contractor isn't doesn't have the ability to produce the same finished product. And the guy who can do the five hundred thousand dollar house, you can't afford. Correct. For, for the fifty thousand dollar house. Nor, nor nor will he step foot into that other exactly. house. Exactly. Because... Oh my gosh, I had a I had a contractor have a complete meltdown one time because uh, he needed to put new drywall on the walls, and he called and screamed and cursed about there is not one single right angle in this entire yep. room because it was a hundred year old house. Oh yeah, and those are that's that's another big difference when you buy a house 1985 or 1900, right? Mm-hmm. A massive difference. So, but yeah, so I am using different numbers because really the goal to a rental property is hey, we need to get this to a place where it's it's moving ready and it's livable, knowing that you are going to have to continue to do repairs. So no, you're not trying to sell it and stage it and and do all of that. So it's a different category of contractor, which means a different category of what you will need to pay for those repairs. Mm-hmm. Safe, safe, habitable, attractive, and yep. uh, stuff that's going to wear well. Correct. <laughs> is, yep. is the idea right. in rentals. I'm not, I'm not talking about putting, the, you know, doing something that you wouldn't be proud of, but it, there is a difference still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So typically, typically your rental rehab estimate is going to be lower then you're yeah. then you're if like if you were to take that same exact house and mm-hmm. make it ready for a retail buyer to potentially buy it um, does that do, do you ever do two different estimations on that on a rental property like uh, I will often say all right this is what it would cost to get it to the after repaired value because that's mm-hmm. the number I need to be working with when I'm making yeah. my offer I know I may need to be saying after repaired value times whatever my Point eight, point seven, whatever my number is, minus the full repair cost to get it into after repaired condition is going to be my offer. 
And I could be looking at that and going, yeah, but we're probably not going to put in the granite countertops for for a rental property. So I know I'm, I'm going to spend less, but I'm also going to end up with a product that if I have to sell it immediately, it's not going to sell as right. if it were an after-repaired condition. Right. And it could be the difference between you saying, um, this is where I get into more itemization only when I do rentals in a place where I, instead of saying I need flooring for the whole house, which is going to be a high grade carpet, a luxury vent, you know, vinyl plank, um, you know, I, I have a number that I'm going to use for all the flooring because I'm not going into any flip and measuring floors. Okay. I have a number that my contractors use and I use so that I know with confidence I can bid for them without them being there. But if I go into a rental, that's the only time I go, Ah, uh, let's put a sheet good, you know, in the bathroom. We don't need LVP, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't need to replace the floor in here, 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 right? And I'm not going to finish the basement, and it does have some water, you know, that's leaking. But I don't need to do that right now because that it doesn't matter for me to get this a uh, tenant in here. I can do that later after I, I grab some cash for the next year or so. Uh-huh. Then I can focus on that repair. But I'm not going to finish a rec room, you know, to sell it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So uh-huh. yes. So. This, the whole problem here for particularly newer investors is exactly what we've been discussing. It's, it, 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 these estimates vary by sometimes the year, sometimes the geography, sometimes the use of the property, sometimes, you know, the availability of people to do it. Materials prices bounce around, they go up and down. How in the world is a normal human being supposed to get a grip on this without first spending 25 years as a general contractor? All right, let me let me try to um, let me try to break this down in a segment that you can apply to the the, the, the whole thing here. Um, let's just take paint for example right now. Uh-huh. Okay, um, if you have no idea. When you walk into a house and just say, oh, my gosh, what's it going to cost to paint this? Or are we going to enamel the trim? Do the walls need to be? Here's the thing. We have to have a confidence level, right, to be an investor. We have to pick up the phone and cold call sometimes. We have to ask questions. We talk to sellers and hardship, right? You have to do the same thing with contractors, and you have to treat contractors the same way and, and almost have a, a certain air of confidence. But you need to get down to, hey, what does it take? If you don't know, what is paint? Based on, let's just say, square footage of the house. Is that $2.50? Is it $3? Is it $3.12? Even if they don't know, help them. Ask them the last three jobs they did and help them come up with a number. Because that's the only way that you can come up with, again, a systematic process that you trust, your private lender trusts, your investor trusts, you trust that you're going to get a bill for the same, right? Because here's what normally happens, Nina. Just like if if I got 10 different appraisers or 10 different real estate agents to give me an ARV or a value on a house, same thing with a contractor. If I brought 10 different painters in this house and I needed a value, just like I need from these other people that are involved in this transaction, how many different prices am I going to get on paint? Maybe 11. Well done. Okay. (laughs) Well done. So tell me this. Is there an exact number process that I can push a button and say paint is X. No. Uh So you have to get in this range of knowing it's going to be about this. And then when I know I'm in that range because I've talked to my contractor, and here's the other thing. I have an account at a national account at Sherwin Williams. You don't need one, but you can have one. Guess what? 
the same gallon of paint costs me the same in San Francisco as it does in the hurricane area, as it does in Wisconsin, as it does in Ohio. Okay? There's no difference. So it all comes down to this painter walking in. And do you think that the painter comes in and measures all the walls and the ceilings? <laughs> I've never seen one do it. <laughs> no. What does the painter do? He walks into the house, looks around. He Sometimes he doesn't even go upstairs. He just goes, ah, it'll be like five grand. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's your science or art, whatever you want to call it, of coming up with a contractor's estimate. So... You have to get in the ballpark of a takedown number to know if I approach my contractor and say, hey, we talked about this. It's about three bucks a square foot, right? And so I came into this house and it was 1,200 square feet. So it's about $3,600. And I actually put $3,800 when I was sitting with the homeowner. So I really need you to come in at $3,800 for this house. So why don't you come walk through it and make sure you can do it for 3,800 bucks. Or I've got another guy that, that said, you know, he'll he'll come and do it, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So. Now you're running your business and you're doing it with confidence and you have the number on the front end, but you've had to invest a little on the front end. It doesn't cost you anything to call an HVAC guy or three of them and get the average cost of a 80% you know, new furnace or a high efficiency with a new central air installed, not holding to a number, but give me a ballpark. Guess what? That goes into your system. Mm-hmm. You press the button, you check the box, it's done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also find that my um, my friends who do a lot of rehab are very valuable in this regard because every once in a while I have to, I have to get a bid on something that's unusual. Yep, always. And I, I there's three people that I will text and I'll say I just got a bid of X dollars to do Y. Does that seem even within the realm of reason? And often they say, uh, no, call this other guy; he'll do it cheaper. Or yep. they say, uh, yep, that's what it costs. Uh, yeah. And you know, you just go with that. Sometimes you get something that are so strange that you'll never have it on your list. I remember the first time somebody called me and said, um, there's a swimming pool in the basement. What, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, like there's not a magic number that everyone has on their list for filling in a swimming pool in a basement. Oh, you meant a literal swimming pool. You didn't mean the basement is a swimming pool like it is after heavy rains. We've had those too. (laughs) Right. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So, yeah, lean, always lean on your community, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, make, make friends with all the rehabbers, <laughs> especially ones who do a lot of business because they often have seen the weird thing that I'm like, 30 years and I have never seen this particular thing that's going on and I can't even figure it out. So the rehab, which is uh, sort of what you were addressing how to handle, uh, is is one thing, and it sounds like what, what you're doing here is building up a knowledge base that backs down into, okay, so now I can walk through the house in the first place yep. and say, hey, I now know that this needs a two-and-a-half-ton furnace because of the square footage of the house and that two-and-a-half-ton furnaces with central air cost roughly this much, and you can be confident in that number as long as you continue to sort of update it <laughs> as Correct. as time goes by. Uh, so, Matt, you are going to be one of our featured speakers at the upcoming uh, National Real Estate Summit that's here in Cincinnati on November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And I know that one of the, one of the things you're going to talk about is um, just you know this, this whole general how do we do this right thing, but also 
Uh, you've got some software recommendations that you're going to talk about there, some things that we don't we don't really do on public radio, and uh, I think f- folks are going to be um, highly enlightened by that. And I just I want to encourage the folks who are signing up to go to make sure that they circle your presentation <laughs> and and get there, because awesome. again, this affects every single one of us pretty much right. throughout our real estate investing careers. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. And and we, we use software for everything else in this business. We should be using software for this part of the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes it makes it much easier to not keep those things in your head. Correct. So um, Matt, I appreciate you taking the time today to uh, do this program. Look forward to seeing you here in Cincinnati on November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was uh, this was fun. Yeah, it it, uh, it flew by. Yes, it did. And and listeners, um, keep those dates open on your calendar. You're going to hear more about that as the summer goes on here on WMKV. In fact, we've got, we're going to have a special offer for WMKV listeners coming up really, really soon. So just get those dates on your calendar so that when that opportunity comes, you can jump on it. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 